Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, October 25th edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Samanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I will be joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights with a peek under the hat. Today at noon, the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, who are 7-0, will face their first legitimate threat of the season, maybe, as the 13th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers visit the horseshoe. After winning their first six games in impressive fashion, Paul Christ's Badgers lost to Lovey Smith's Illinois Fighting Illini on a last-second field goal last week by the score of 24-23. That unexpected loss put a bit of a damper on the proceedings in Columbus today, but there is still a ton on the line for both teams, which we will get into in just a little bit. The game will kick off at 12 noon Eastern Time and will be Fox's big noon Saturday game of the week. Additionally, Urban Meyer, Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, and Rob Stone will be bringing the big noon kickoff show to the west side of the South Stands in Ohio Stadium. On the call for the game will be Gus Johnson with Joel Klatt providing color commentary and Jenny Taff reporting from the sidelines. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on call, along with Ohio State legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The biggest pregame story in Columbus today will be the weather. The temperature will be 53 degrees for the noon kickoff, with a 100% chance of rain as of recording time. The deluge is part of Tropical Storm Olga, working its way up from the Gulf of Mexico through Louisiana overnight and drenching large parts of the country from Oklahoma in the west to West Virginia in the east. Winds will be blowing from 10 to 20 miles per hour. However, wind usually doesn't make too much of a difference inside the shoe. During their media availability on Thursday, Ryan Day, Justin Fields, and K.J. Hill all said that the weather won't impact their game plan unless things reach torrential downpour levels. So, if you're heading out to the game today, make sure you dress accordingly. The line for the game opened with Ohio State minus 14.5 points at Bovada and has risen to 15 as of recording time. The over-under for the game is 59 points at Bovada and every major online sportsbook that I could find. As a reminder, after they failed to cover in their season-opening win against Florida Atlantic, the Buckeyes are 6-0 against the spread. While they haven't been hitting the over as consistently this year, it has mostly been because their opponents aren't doing much to contribute to that effort. Wisconsin was a 31-point favorite against Illinois last Saturday, so obviously they didn't cover that game, nor did they in their 24-15 win against Northwestern, but they did cover in their other five games against USF, Central Michigan, Michigan, Kent State, and Michigan State. So, not so good against schools from Illinois, very good against schools from Michigan. Good to know. Unsurprisingly, Wisconsin has only hit the over in two of its seven games this season and hasn't done so since it beat the Wolverines over a month ago. But we will have more about the Badgers' record on the season shortly. But first on Friday, the Ohio State Athletic Department released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and we are seeing some nagging injuries return this week. However, most importantly, starting left tackle Thayer Munford and primary middle linebacker Baron Browning have both been cleared to return. 
Browning sat out last week's game against Northwestern. While Munford didn't start, he was forced into action, even though he clearly was not 100%, but he was needed to solidify a sketchy offensive line in the first half, with Nicholas Petit Frere filling in for him. Also of interest this week is the collection of players who will be game-time decisions. Starting defensive end Jonathan Cooper, who missed the first four games of the season, senior wide receiver Austin Mack, and sophomore linebacker Taraja Mitchell won't know their status until they get out onto the field during pregame. Those last two, Mack and Mitchell, both reportedly dealt with injuries in the preseason. In the event that Cooper doesn't play, Tyreek Smith will start in his place, and if Mack is unable to go, Chris Olave will be the starting Z receiver. The other players who have already been ruled out for the Buckeyes are offensive tackle Joshua Alabi, wide receiver Cameron Babb, defensive tackle Noah Donald, defensive end Tyler Friday, receiver Elijah Gardner, tight end Cormonte Hamilton, safety Ronnie Hickman, defensive end Noah Potter, H-back C.J. Saunders, and defensive tackle Teron Vincent. As a reminder, if you are heading to the Horseshoe, the stadium's Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-F-I. As always, Ohio Stadium gates will open two hours before kickoff, so that's at 10 a.m. today. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours prior to kick if you would like to make your way inside to get seats for the Skull Session. So those doors will open at 8 a.m., and the Skull Session will get underway at 9.40. Today's to Biddle ramp entrance will commence at 11.40 a.m., followed by a traditional single-script Ohio. The halftime show will be the highbrow, incredibly classy piece of art, Spongebob, the Great Buckeye Chase. Following last week's loss to the fighting Lovey Smiths, the Badgers fell behind the undefeated Minnesota Golden Gophers in the race for the Big Ten West. Assuming P.J. Flex team beats Maryland today, a loss for Wisconsin would put them two games back with only four games left to play. Before their first defeat of the season, the Badgers had been a mostly dominating force, shutting out four of their first six opponents. However, as I will discuss with Laurie Schmidt shortly, those eye-popping stats might be a little bit deceiving. Nonetheless, Wisconsin is averaging 39.7 points per game, which is 12th nationally, and they are giving up just 7.6 points per game, which is the lowest total in the country. We'll have more on that later, but for comparison, the Buckeyes are third nationally scoring 49.7 points per game and second in the national scoring defense, allowing just 8 points per game. We will get more into the numbers in the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will take a short break and then we will be back to talk with 610 WTVN's legendary sports reporter, Lori Schmidt. All right, we are joined again by the one and only, the great Lori Schmidt. Lori, how are you today? Just trying to figure out how to stuff an umbrella into the uh, bags that I've got to carry into the shoe tomorrow. You don't keep it underneath the fedora? No, but the fedora, I think, will come in useful unless it's blown off the top of my head. Yeah, like, I would imagine that being as ingenuitive as you are, that you could arrange some sort of, like, go-go gadget umbrella hat or something uh, in, in cases of extreme rain. If I were that good with engineering, I would design myself a rocket pack first. That's a good point. It would be nice to see the world above five foot two. <laughs> I might get up to Dwan Jones height oh. if I had a rocket pack. 
you might need it. He's he's what six yeah. eight? Is that what he's six, at? Eight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about him in a minute. But we are going to talk about probably the most important player on the Wisconsin team. Uh, pro- not even probably the most important player on the Wisconsin team, Jonathan Taylor. As you mentioned, it's going to be raining tomorrow. Uh, there's a hundred percent chance of rain as of recording time. And oftentimes you think that rain and weather, inclement weather benefits the underdog and might limit the passing options for offenses. Ohio State has a pretty good passing attack. Wisconsin, not so much. So knowing what we know about Jonathan Taylor, do you think that this is a kind of environment that might play into his specific skill set? Probably. But I do want to add some caveats about the Wisconsin passing game because numbers-wise, it's not outstanding, but it's been better than Wisconsin passing games in the past have been. And that's one reason why they've been so effective this year is it's just been dangerous enough. You know, Jack Cohn is, is one of the best in the country in terms of completion percentage. Uh, they are involving Taylor in their passing game, which is one thing that has made him more dangerous. He actually has four receiving touchdowns, which leads the team. And in fact, he's one of only three different players to catch a touchdown pass for the Badgers this year. And I think, so, and I think he has as many receptions this year as he did his first two years combined. Yes. And those four passing touchdowns that he has this year are the first four, <laughs> uh, sorry, receiving touchdowns. Uh, if he was passing touchdowns, that'd, he'd be, be, that'd be a story. Uh, yeah. A lock for most versatile player. But, uh, yeah, his four receiving touchdowns are the first four receiving touchdowns that he's had in his entire career. Wow. So, yes, he's much more of an impact in the uh, passing game this year than he has been in the past. You you note about his receiving, you know, skills and how the passing game has come along. But whether it's Barry Alvarez, um, uh, Burt Bielema, uh, Paul Christ, or that one guy who left after a couple of years, whose name I can't remember, uh, Anderson, Paul Anderson, is that right? Um, the bread and butter of Wisconsin's offense is always going to be the running game. We know that Jonathan Taylor is supposedly the best running back in the country, although I think there's an argument to be made for J.K. Dobbins. But what have you found by looking at his stats, maybe about what the kind of competition has been able to slow down Taylor, if at all, over the years? Well, the very best defense against Jonathan Taylor in his entire career, the the one defense that held him to 41 yards, which was the low that he's ever had as a college athlete, was Ohio State in 2017. (laughs) And then the next year against Northwestern, he had 46. And that was a game where he coughed up the ball a couple times. So if you can get to the ball and punch at it, you have a well, sort of a puncher's chance against him. Um, and again, Ohio State made Wisconsin very limited in their offense by holding Jonathan Taylor uh, to the lowest output of his career. So they have a blueprint that they can work off of. And part of the things that has led to Wisconsin's dominance so far this year is the fact that they just don't give opposing offenses the chance to score very much because they hold on to the ball so much. And obviously that is part and parcel with a fantastic running game that doesn't necessarily break off big 60-yard runs like we've seen both Master Teague and J.K. Dobbins do for the Buckeyes. But they do it in chunks. They do it in, you know, in in good five, six, seven, eight-yard carries at a time. But... For Wisconsin, how important is maintaining possession of the ball and keeping the opposing offense off the field important to what they do as a team? 
Well, they've been very good in terms of time of possession. And uh, Jonathan Taylor can be explosive, but yes, when you feed him and he gets four and five yards a carry and, well, six or seven or eight even, just not these 40, 60-yard jaunts into the end zone, they tend to chew up clock to the point where they have 16 more minutes time of possession than the second place team in the NCAA in that category, which is incredible. Wow. And Wisconsin as a team has more minutes in terms of time of possession, total time. We're not talking per game. We're talking total than a bunch of teams that have played eight games. There are teams that have <laughs> one more game than Wisconsin under their belt in the top 10 in terms of time of possession and Wisconsin has still held the ball longer than them with seven games. Hold so on, they hold, are just... Hold on, let me get this straight. Teams that are in the top ten of time of possession nationally have played a game mm-hmm. more than Wisconsin and are still trailing significantly. That's correct, because wow. Wisconsin has 16 more minutes than the second-place team, and there are uh, uh, several teams, Central Michigan, SMU, Florida, Washington, Western Michigan have played one more game than Wisconsin, are in the top 10 in that category, and still trail by at least 16 minutes. That's bonkers. It is crazy. It is kind of crazy. And like you said, Jonathan Taylor, a big reason for that. And he's going to have probably something to celebrate on Saturday, even if it's not a Wisconsin win. He just needs 13 more yards to become the second most prolific rusher in Wisconsin history, surpassing Monte Ball. So he is, he is historically good for that program. And he is historically good, not even for a good Wisconsin program, but in the college football landscape as a whole, he is the fastest player to 5,000 yards who, you know, got those 5,000 yards in, in less than their junior season. So he is, he has been incredible. Yeah. Better statistically in some categories than Herschel Walker, Michael James, some truly brilliant college football running back. Wow. That's a, that, that is definitely impressive. But as you said, Ohio State has been able to stop him in the past. Now, granted, that was during his true freshman year, but it was in the Big Ten title game. So uh, we'll and see I, if they're And able I will to tell you what again. Pete Warner says. I will tell you what Pete Warner says is the difference between that Jonathan Taylor and this Jonathan Taylor, in addition to his his uh, receiving numbers, which we've already hit on, is his effectiveness on third down. Pete Warner said that when they played him in 2017, they thought he would try to have an impact on first and second. But now he's making an impact on third down, which is what uh, Warner said with the big difference when he watched Jonathan Taylor on film this year. Hmm. Good to know. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, all right, let's flip around to the other side of the ball. And obviously... Wisconsin has had a lot of success on both offense and defense this year, but up until last week's kind of disastrous result against the fighting Lovey Smiths, one of the things that they've been noted for is the fact that they'd shut out more opponents uh, than they have not shut out this season so far. But you found something interesting about those specific four shutouts so far this season. Yeah, they've come against some opponents that are not scoring a lot of points in any games this year. Uh, of the four shutouts that they have, the top-ranked scoring offense that Wisconsin has faced is 67th-ranked Central Michigan, which is, by the way, one of the better teams offensively that Wisconsin has faced this entire season because the best scoring offense that Northwestern has faced 
is Illinois. And they are 64th. So I don't <laughs> want to denigrate. I don't want to denigrate Wisconsin. They are very good. And they are very good in statistics that tell you uh, that are they have a little less noise to them than these broad categories. They're called analytics. They're the ones that you need to do algebra and get out a slide rule to figure out. But yes. um, I, I, I'm familiar. Terms, I've heard of this. Yes. Yes. In terms of points uh, per possession and stop rate, which is the percentage of times that an opponent stops your drives with either a turnover on downs or turnover or it ends in a punt. Wisconsin is very highly rated in those categories. So their numbers are still good, but I don't want to overstate the opponents that they have done that against. Wisconsin is the top-rated defense in terms of yards allowed per game. Ohio State is second, and while Ohio State has played a few uh, offenses that were better, both Cincinnati and uh, Indiana, I think, are actually in the top 25, maybe. Um, I, I think that's correct, but they still have not played stellar teams either. So Ohio State and Wisconsin are in similar boats, though I don't think it's nearly as bad for the Buckeyes as it is for the Badgers. And I tell you one boat that Wisconsin is pretty, pretty much the only passenger. It's, you know, the HHS Paul Christ, I guess. <laughs> um, they are uniquely good against both the pass and the run. They are top ranked team in the country in both those categories, which is, which is rare. You and I have both seen good defenses that have a little chink in the armor in that they are either uh, very good against the pass and just good against the run or vice versa. But this is a team that has shut down both opposing quarterbacks and opposing running backs. So they deserve a lot of credit for that too. Yeah. Well, I I'm interested in some of the, you know, the bigger picture things that come into this game and how Ohio state is approaching them. There was a lot of national excitement for this game uh, about seven days ago from the time that we're recording. And a lot of that went away when the Illinois Fighting Illini upset Wisconsin. How has that impacted perhaps the approach that Ohio State is bringing into this game? I would imagine it might actually even make it a little bit more important for them to stay focused as they might think that Wisconsin is a little more motivated to come out and play well on Saturday. Well, that's a really good question. And uh, one thing that uh, Ryan Day brought up in his press conference this week is that he knew that Wisconsin's players would be a little more focused. Even though they have not trailed in a game when there was still time on the clock this entire season, Wisconsin is licking their wounds right now. And that will cause them to be a little more focused in practice, a little more apt to show up 10 minutes early for team meetings, those sorts of things. And apparently, Ryan Day drilled down this message with his players this week because one thing that we heard his players say is that they know that Wisconsin is going to be super focused in preparation, not only on game day, but during the week. And they had to out-practice a team that was more motivated to go to practice than they normally would be. So K.J. Hill, for instance, said their goal was to outwork Wisconsin, not just on Saturday, but on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, and that they made that a point of emphasis for them during workouts this week, which I, I think is a very, um, it's a more holistic approach than you sometimes think of when you think about a hungry team and a motivated team. Yeah, that's uh, it's always one of those things where 
you can either look you can look at a game like that either way. You can say, well, they weren't as good as we thought they were, or Ohio State knows very well that lesser teams can upset good teams and it can actually get you more focused. After the losses against both Iowa and Purdue in the last few years, Ohio State has come back really, really focused the next week. So I'm sure that they are using that as insight into uh, what could happen today in the shoe. Um, so, well, and Paul Christ, Paul Christ is 11 and one coming off losses in his career at Wisconsin. So he's very good at getting a team that bounces back uh, after a loss. Okay. That's a good stat. Also a good stat is the fact that Ohio State is nine and one against Wisconsin in their last 10 matchups. So it's, it's a something's got to give type of game, uh, in terms of that. Well, and five of the last six games in this series have been decided by seven points or less, and two of those have gone overtime. So history would seem to, to indicate that this is going to be a close game. You factor in the weather that we already talked about too, and it could be a much closer game than OSU is used to playing this season. I wouldn't bet on it, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I said uh, good. I, I know. I know you did. You, you covered your journalistic bases there. Um, all right. Real quick. Um, we are recording on Friday afternoon. Earlier today, uh, we got the depth chart and availability report, and it looks like there are going to be some fairly important game time decisions for the Buckeyes. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, who has been you know, he was out for the first four games of the season, has come back uh, in this season. But it looks like he's going to be a game time decision, as will senior wide receiver Austin Mack and sophomore linebacker Taraja Mitchell. Um, and we also know that Tyler Friday won't be playing, but neither Baron Browning or Thayer Munford were on that availability report. So they will be back. It seems like there hasn't been any season ending major catastrophic injuries that have hurt the Buckeyes, but it seems like they've been nicked up a little bit over the last few weeks with guys coming in and out of the lineup, you know, on, on a given week, one week, they're good. One week, they're not, maybe then they're bad the next week. Um, do you have any insight into what to expect from either of these guys, especially Cooper, who has kind of been the poster child for, uh, uh, you know, sitting on that availability report so far this season? Yeah, Cooper, um, Cooper's been, you know, he had that same procedure that uh, Tua in Alabama had, the, the tightrope oh, okay. surgery. Um, so we don't, we don't quite know if that's he's relapsed with that and just they are playing extra cautious with him, or uh, if he's suffered another sort of nicked up injury. Um, but he, you know, he could have been a good impact player this weekend, and he, he still could be. I mean, he's game time decision not listed as out um but i i think the biggest news when it comes to the injury report is the return of baron browning um it's not yeah. the sort of doom and gloom of not possibly having cooper or, or mac i think the biggest news is that baron browning is back because stopping jonathan uh taylor will definitely require strong linebacker play and in fact there has been some talk uh pete warner was one of the players to address it that we could see a lot more four linebacker sets from Ohio State this week. And for that reason alone, having Baron Browning back will be huge for the Buckeyes. You and I have talked about this before, about what is being held back and what's not being held back. For all of the talk mm -hmm. of bullets and, and potentially going to a 3-4 and all of these different defensive alignment and scheme things that we heard about during the offseason and even into the fall, we haven't seen much of it, but that might be kind of in conjunction with the fact that they haven't really played a ton of really good offenses. So it'll be interesting to see 
what Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley and company come up with down the stretch when Ohio State, their last remaining five regular season games are against three pretty good teams. And then that leads into the postseason with the Big Ten Championship and beyond. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do try to throw some different things at Wisconsin. And if that is the case, you're going to want all hands on deck because Wisconsin is a team that can put up some yards and points. So, all right, Lori. Well, I will I... point out in the, lim- the limited opportunities that we have seen four linebackers on the field for the Scarlet and Gray this year, they have done very well. Yeah. The statistics bear out that they have done very well in a poor linebacker set. Well, and the thing is, is that while Baron Browning is not listed as a starter, he is mm-hmm. getting a majority of the snaps. So if you were able to, to yeah. get him on the field in whatever configuration they're doing, but let's say they add him and Tuff Borland in the middle at the same time, it's not like they're adding in somebody who is not used to playing with the people around him. So they're having experience on the field. They're just adding more of it when they go to that uh, to that four linebacker set. Yes, and they're definitely going to want to, like you said, build up some versatility in their defense for this stretch run, you know, where they face some very good teams and then inevitably Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> you mean the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers coached by the 2019 Big Ten Coach of the Year, P.J. Fleck? ski road road. Yeah, oh, I do. Man. I really do like him, by the way. Yeah, he's a little much for me. I think the kids say he's a little extra. He's a little extra. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not an extra kind he of guy. Slaps for me. Yeah. He, he slaps. Is that what you just said? I'm just I'm you. Hey, you're using the kids lingo. So, so am I. That's, that's I'm like, establishing my cred with the with the, the young, the Generation Z listeners of this podcast. Yeah, that's like uh, Chris Holtman at the Big Ten Media Days. He was talking to the whoever the Big Ten uh, representative was who was leading the uh, the press conferences. He said said something like, "Man, my players would say that your jacket drips or has drip or something." It, it was just the most uncomfortable thing to say in the world. And I feel like you and I are slowly approaching that uh, that level of uncoolness, Lori. Yes, but we recognize we're embracing that uncoolness. We we actually <laughs> know we, we're we're self aware of it. Yeah. So. We are embracing our own coolness, which ironically makes us cool. Does it? Does I it really? Does it? I'll, in I'll, theory, I'll go with on it. paper, yeah. maybe. All right, I'll take it. Whatever helps you. Sleep but at yes, night, P- but... PJ Fleck, inevitable Big Ten Coach of the Year, because you know you you can't have an Ohio State coach win it. You just that's a, you can't. That's actually in the bylaws, the voting bylaws. Yes. Ohio State coaches cannot win this award. Not since nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, good old Earl. It's actually named after an Ohio State coach, so at least in part. So, you know, I guess that's yeah. all we get. But anyway, Lori, stay dry today at the shoe. Good luck with your yeah, go-go I'm gadget umbrella. The boat. Oh, yeah, seriously. Hopefully Ohio Stadium's draining system doesn't doesn't lead to that. But uh, have a good time in the game. I appreciate your time, and we will talk to you in two weeks as Ohio State gets ready to take on Maryland. Exciting stuff. Thanks for having me, Matt. Don't forget to tune in to the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game. We will be back to look inside the numbers and get a prediction after this quick break. Ohio. 
Ohio State and Wisconsin have met 82 times on the football field, dating back to 1913. The Badgers won the first three games in the series, but as our Jim Baird wrote on Land Grant Holy Land this week, in 1916, Wisconsin head coach Paul Withington thought so little of Ohio State's football team that he actually skipped the trip to Columbus in order to go scout two of his future opponents, Minnesota and Illinois. Ohio State won that game 14-13 without Withington there to witness it. From there, Ohio State has dominated the series, including 21 straight wins from 1960 to 1980. Additionally, since 2007, the Buckeyes have lost only once in 10 matchups against Wisconsin, and that came in 2010. So the Buckeyes have won 9 of 10 and 6 straight against the Badgers. But the average margin of victory, as Lori alluded to, is relatively small. Now, obviously, the 2014 Big Ten Championship game, in which Cardale Jones and the Ohio State offense racked up 59 points in the shutout victory, skews the averages. So I'm going to take that game out. In the other nine games, the average score is 27.7 for Ohio State to 21 for Wisconsin. Overall, the Buckeyes hold a 59-18-5 record against the Badgers. For the second week in a row, SP Plus from ESPN's Bill Connolly has the Buckeyes as the number one team in the advanced analytics rankings and the only team to see their offense and defense both rank in the top five of the SP Plus rankings. Ohio State's offense comes in at fifth and the defense comes in first. And just because I'm a bit of a completist, the Buckeye special teams are ranked 18th in the SP Plus's numbers. Wisconsin comes into the game as SP Plus's seventh best team, sporting the second best defense and 22nd best offense. Connolly projects the score to be 31 to 20 in favor of Ohio State with a 74% win probability for the Buckeyes. So his numbers do not have Ohio State covering the spread, nor the teams combining to hit the over. Football Outsiders F Plus also has Ohio State as the top team in the country, but has Wisconsin at fourth. The college football nerds computer model actually projects Wisconsin to win 24 to 23 by literally the slimmest of possible margins. The actual projected score is within one tenth of each other, but rounding helps Wisconsin get the edge. They do think that both teams will struggle to move the ball, but that the Badgers are more used to picking up small gains as opposed to Ohio State, who has picked up big chunks. More on that later. In his analytics game preview on Land Grant, our Chad Peltier notes that despite their embarrassing loss last week, fans should not get overconfident for the game against the Badgers. Wisconsin is in the top tier of combined offense and defensive expected points added with Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, and Oklahoma. They are in the top 97% and 98% in EPA success rate and average EPA, with opponents averaging negative 0.29 EPA per play with a 29.9% EPA success rate, both of which are the best in the country. If you would like to geek out over Chad's stats, I will have a link to the story along with all of the others referenced in today's show in this episode's show notes and in the article version of the episode on the website. Earlier in the show, I mentioned that Wisconsin led the country in scoring defense. Well, they also lead the country in total defense, allowing only 193.9 yards per game. OSU is second with 229. 
They are also number one in rushed defense in FBS, allowing only 58.43 yards per game. OSU is ninth nationally at 92.7. And Wisconsin is also tops in passing defense, allowing just 135.4 yards per game. OSU is second, less than a yard behind. While they are not as strong offensively, they aren't terrible either. They are currently third in the Big Ten with 443.7 yards per game, but that is very much predicated on their ability to run the ball, which they are doing to the tune of 235.4 yards per game, second only to Ohio State in the league. That means that quarterback Jack Cohn and company are putting up just about 208 yards per game through the air, 11th best in the B1G. Their bell cow back, Jonathan Taylor, is third nationally, averaging 136.71 yards per game. For comparison, J.K. Dobbins is about a yard and a half behind him in fourth place. However, Taylor is all the way down at 60th in the country in terms of yards per carry at 6.1. J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague are 26th and 27th, respectively, at over 7 yards per carry. The QB Cone might not be as productive as Taylor is, but he is pretty consistent. He's completing 76% of his passes for a fairly respectable 8.3 yards per attempt. For comparison, Justin Fields is at 9.1. However, because Taylor has scored so many touchdowns, there's not been a lot of room for Cone to throw for scores. He has only passed for 9 touchdowns this season, compared to 2 interceptions. As Lori mentioned, Cone's favorite target is the extremely athletic wide receiver Quintez Cephas, who has 353 yards and three touchdowns and averages 14.7 yards per reception. On defense, sophomore linebacker Jack Sanborn leads the team with 40 tackles. Senior linebacker Chris Orr is close behind with 38, eight of which are sacks. The third linebacker in the mix is fifth-year senior Zach Bond, who has 11 tackles for loss, good for 11th nationally, and he also has one of the Badgers' six interceptions this year and one of their four defensive scores. Before I get to my prediction for the game, I want to run through the game times for some of the biggest non-Buckeye contests of the day. At 3.30 on CBS, number 9 Auburn will visit number 2 LSU. On ABC, number 6 Penn State will head to East Lansing to take on Michigan State, also at 3.30. Then at 7.30 on ABC, it's the Catholics versus the Khakis as Notre Dame visits Michigan. Anyway, back to Ohio State, who will be looking to pass yet another of their perceived tests on the season. As I said in a Q&A I did with our Wisconsin sister site, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, I do think that both teams will be able to move the ball on the opposing defenses more than other teams have this season. But I am suspicious as to whether the Badgers will be able to employ their standard operating procedure of picking up yardage in small doses, eating up clock, and moving the ball downfield that way. I think that Ohio State will be more adept to hitting the semi-regular chunk play, helping them score more often in the best-case scenario, and change the field position in the worst-case scenario. In recent years, the Buckeyes have shown a propensity to shut down running backs that have come into the game with tons of hype. Think Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell, and actually Jonathan Taylor, as Laurie mentioned back in the 2017 Big Ten Championship game. So, I think that the Buckeyes will hold Taylor to less than half of his season rushing average, and he will have about 60 yards on the ground today. He might get a touchdown or two, but it will not be a game in which the back cements his place in the Heisman discussion. 
Conversely, I think that J.K. Dobbins is head and shoulders the best running back in the conference and perhaps the country, and I think he's going to prove it today. With the rain perhaps limiting what Justin Fields in the passing attack can do, more focus will be on Dobbins, and I think he delivers, coming up with 120 yards and two scores on the game. Fields will still get his, of course, throwing for 225 and three scores. I am going to go with Ohio State 38, Wisconsin 17. For comparison, Drew Ham, the managing editor of Bucky's fifth quarter, picked Ohio State 31, Wisconsin 21. All right, that's all we have for today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before. During and after the game, I will be smashing buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your social media home for all of LandGrant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt and her station at 610WTVN News. I'm on Twitter at BWWMatt as well. And if you're not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspectives on sports and the Buckeyes unlike any other podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks!